Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. In this year, I'd like to discuss a Rashi comment regarding the Me'il. The Me'il was one of the big day Kayan Gadol, one of the garments of the Kayan Gadol. And as we see in this picture, it is this long blue garment, light blue garment, shaped sort of like a talus cotton. It is a triangle, it is a rectangular, big strip of rectangular cloth with an opening for the neck and the head, and the arms are simply open. There are no sleeves, uh, according to the way it's usually pictured, certainly according to Rashi. And on the bottom, there are a series of pa'amoinim, uh, there are bells, and there are rimoinim, there are little balls that resemble pomegranates. Okay, let's take a look at some of the psukim about the me'il. This is Perik Chavches, Pasik. Lamed Aleph. The Asisa es me'il ho'efoid, you shall make the me'il ho'efoid. The me'il is called here the me'il ho'efoid, the me'il that upon which the ephoid sits. As we can see in the picture, the, let's take a look at this picture. The ephoid is this apron-like garment and it sits on top of the me'il. And therefore, according to uh, this Pasuk says, that that's why it's called the Me'il Ha'ifoid. Okay, the Asisa es Me'il Ha'ifoid. So you will make this Me'il, Khalil Techelis, entirely out of Techelis thread, entirely out of uh, wool thread that are colored that special dye called Techelis. Let's continue. Ohoya fi roishoi The lip, of its head shall be inside of him, inside of it, meaning the neck hole should have a hem which folds back inside, inside the garment, unlike uh, the collars and the necklines that we are generally familiar with, where they stick out, they, they're visible on the outside of the garment. This was a neckline that was folded back into the garment. It will have a lip for its mouth all around. It has an extra piece of cloth on the top, which is folded back inside, and it's like a lip all around the neck opening. It will be made through weaving, meaning it is not a separate piece. It is not a piece of cloth that is made separately and then sewn onto the meal, but rather when they weave the meal, they weave it in such a way that it has this extra little bit on top near the neck. And it will be like the mouth, like the opening of a coat of armor. We'll see about that in Rashi. That's what will be for it. This is the kind of lip on the top by the neck opening that it will have. It shall not be torn. Let's see a little bit more before we return to this Rashi. The Asisa al-Shulav, you will make on its bottom 
end, on its bottom edge, Rimonei Techeles, Yagamon Veselastrani, Al Shulov Sabit. You will make Rimonim, you will make a, a piece of fabric that is shaped like a Rimon, like a pomegranate, out of the following types of fabrics Techeles, which we spoke about, and Agamon is a red or crimson colored uh, fabric, and Telashani is a different kind of wool dyed a different uh, color. Al Shulov Sabit on its bottom ends all around, and golden bells amongst them all around. Rashi here says, these are bells that have knockers inside. They actually are functional bells. What does it mean they are in them or amongst them all around? So Rashi says B'Saycham means amongst them. B'Neihem Saviv. Amongst the Rimainim are also Pa'amainim. The Rashi says B'Ein Shnei Rimainim. In between every two Rimainim, Pa'amain Echad, there would be one Pa'amain, one bell. Davuk V'Talui B'Shulei Hameil. That is attached and hanging from the bottom edge of the me'il. As we see in this picture, again, you have a palmoin, you have a rimoin, and you have a palmoin. You have a rimoin, and you have a palmoin. This is not like the opinion of Ranban, who says that the rimoin had a little bell inside of it, and the Ranban doesn't mention that the bell had a knocker to make it a functional ringing bell. Whether he means that it should be like that, uh, I'm not 100% sure. But certainly Rashi clearly states that the Pa'amainim, the bells, stood separately and they were actual functioning bells. Let's continue. Pa'amain zahav a golden bell and a rimain. Pa'amain zahav and a golden bell and a rimon. On the bottoms of the me'il, all around. And this me'il will be on Aaron, to do his service in the Beis HaMekdash. And its voice will be heard when he comes into the Kodesh, when he comes into the holy part of the Beis HaMekdash, in front of Hashem, Ovid say so, and when he leaves, Yamus, and if he will do so, he will not die. Rashi explains that if he will not do so, meaning if he is not wearing this me'il, or really any one of the eight big day kahuna, if he's not wearing one of them, then he would be Chayav Misa, he would be subject to death. Uh, you see, according to this Pasik, certainly the, the way apparently Rashi would understand it, that the bells were functional bells, they made a noise, and Venishma Koiloi, and that voice, that sound of the bell would be heard, and exactly what is the function uh, is not our topic now, but but th those bells would actually be heard as Aaron walked about in the Beis HaMektash. Okay, let's go back to Pasek Lamed Beis, and let's take a look at the Rashi. Let's be, let's read the Pasek one more time. The mouth 
by the head, the, meaning the head opening should be inside of it, folded back inside, as I said before. So for sabiv, a lip, it should have a lip to its mouth all around. Masse oreg, this is done as an as a uh, product of weaving. Kafisachro, like the mouth, like the neck opening of a suit of armor. Yieloi, it should have. Lo yikorea, it should not be torn. Let's see Rashi. The mouth of the me'il, which is on its top, at its height, at its highest point. This is the opening for the neck. So the roishoi, the head of the me'il, meaning the neck opening, should be in it. So Rashi says, we should explain this according to the way Targum Unkalis explains it. It should be folded back into it. It should be folded back into it. So that this folding should be like a lip. Instead of having just a one flat layer of, of fabric all the way up to the top. No, it's folded over on top. And now on the top, you have two layers of fabric. So it's like a lip. And this is a product of weaving. It's not done with a needle. It's not a separate uh, narrow strip of cloth that is then attached by needlework to the rest of the me'il. No, when the, when the weaver weaves the garment, when he weaves the piece of cloth, he weaves it with such a, double, a doubled over neckline. I'm not a weaver. I can't explain to you how to do that, but I don't think it's uh, all that uh, spectacular. Kafi sachro, like the mouth of a tachro, which Rashi interprets is a kind of armor. Rashi says, Lamanto, we learn from this, we learn from here that their shiryonim, their uh, armor, had a pi kofu. It had a mouth, it had a neckline that was doubled over and then folded back inside, apparently for extra protection around the critical area of the neck. Um, why is it important to know uh, how they made armor in ancient times? So there, we'll talk about that later in Yitzhak There is a, one of them, Eforshim, who, who raised that question. Uh, the simple, the, probably the simple shot in Rashi is he's just saying that uh, here it says that you should make this, this, uh, this uh, neckline of the me'il, like the neckline of a piece of armor. So but to us, we don't know what it means, but he says, obviously you see that in their days, armor had a doubled neckline. Everybody knew that. It was something people were familiar with. So when the Torah says, make it like the neckline of the tachra of the uh, armor. So that was a way of the Torah telling us how to do it because it was it was known how their armor was constructed. Now, lo yikarea, the last two words of the Pasuk say, it shall not be torn. Rashi says, kidei shalo yikarea. This is in order that it should not be torn. In other words, why is the Torah commanding us to make this doubled neckline, this folded over neckline? So the Torah itself tells us the reason. Lo yikarea, in order that the neckline 
should not be cut, should not be uh, torn. That's one shot, Rashi says. And now Rashi says what is apparently a different shot, a different explanation. The one who tears the neckline of the me'il, somebody who might tear that, he has transgreated, tra- transgressed a negative commandment of the Torah. He, just like a person who uh, does work on Shabbos, or a person who eats uh, chazer, has transgressed a negative a prohibition of the Torah. So if somebody tears the neckline of the me'il, he has transgressed a, 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 a prohibition of the Torah. Says Rashi, Shazemi Minyan Lavin This is from the count of, of uh, prohibitions in the Torah. We know that there are 613 mitzvahs in the Torah, and there are Shasa uh, Loisa uh, say there are 365 prohibitions. So Rashi says this is one of those 365 prohibitions in the Torah. The Chain, and similarly, Lo we have a pasuk regarding the Choshen. Things always change when I come back to them just a few minutes later. I had put aside all of these other commentators because we're not interested in them for right now. Okay. It says regarding the Choshen. Of course, the Choshen was the breastplate. And it's just a relatively small piece of fabric and it was placed on the Kohen Gadol's chest. How did it stay there? So it was supported by this uh, chains that connected to to his shoulders and by two strings that connected to the back of the aphid. So it's held together, it's held up by a system of strings. Now, here the Pasuk says that you will connect it with these strings and with these chains. And then it says, and the Choshen shall not uh, move from the Ephod. The Choshen will stay in one place. Now Rashi is telling us that that's not just telling us the, the uh, reason for attaching it and for attaching it in a rather elaborate way from the top and from the bottom. That's not just giving a reason for it, that you must attach it in such a good firm way so that it should not uh, uh, wander from its place, but rather Rashi is telling us that this is a loisase. If somebody would come and push the, the chayshin in such a way that it would fall away from the aphid so that it would fall out of its proper place, that person has committed a prohibition of Torah law. And Rashi says, v'chein and similarly, lo yasuru mimenu hanemar it says regarding the Arun HaKadosh. Okay, as usual, things that I took away come back magically. But anyway, the, the Arun had Badim. It had these two poles that were inserted into rings on the sides of the Arun. And the Pasuk says that you put the, 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 the poles into the rings in the rings of the Oren will be these badim, will be these poles. They will not be removed from it. So Rashi says here again 
that this is a prohibition. Someone would come and pull the pole out of the ring, so that person has transgressed the loisa say a negative commandment in the Torah. Okay, a few questions on this Rashi. Three questions to be precise. First of all, Rashi begins here, lo yikareya. First he says, kidesha lo yikareya, that it was uh, the, the neckline of the me'il was doubled in order that it should not tear. That's his first little point. We'll make that a different color. And then he says, and the one who tears it has transgressed a love. He has transgressed a prohibition of the Torah. So is this two different explanations or is this one explanation? That's one question. Second question is this, is about this that he says, This is one of the loisases. This is one of the prohibitions, one of the negative commandments of the Torah. It is extremely unusual, perhaps unique, that Rashi, in his commentary on the Torah, should even mention the number of mitzvahs in the Torah. We know that there are svarim written by very great people. For example, the Rambam, Rabbeinu Sadia Gaon, and others, the Sefer Achinuch, who count all of the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah. It's, uh, there is a, there are some matters of disagreement, which things should be considered one of the 613 and which things are not part of the 613. There's a whole literature about it, but there is such a topic called Minyan HaMitzvahs, counting of the mitzvahs. Rashi, in his commentary on Chumash, almost never mentions it at all. Certainly, we don't find that uh, by, any, by every or even by any sizable number of commandments in the Torah, does Rashi pause and tell you, is this one of the uh, 613 mitzvahs or is it not? Is it just a detail of one of the other 613 mitzvahs or is it for some reason not to be counted as one of the 613? I don't think, I don't think there's another place in the Torah where Rashi gets involved in this question, except here. Here he, he pauses to tell us that lo yikareya is one of the uh, 365 negative commandments in the Torah. So that's question number two. Question number three is that here Rashi tells us that lo that the chayshen shall not uh, wander from its place and that the body uh, should stay exactly where they're supposed to be, in the rings. Rashi tells us that they also are loitahasens. They are also counted as negative mitzvahs of the Torah. Now, both of those psukim came before this one. As I've said many times, uh, Rashi himself tells us in a certain place that he explains the psukim, hamikrois kasidron, that he explains the mikrois, he explains the, the psukim according to their order. And generally speaking, if Rashi has something to say about a pasuk, he'll say it on that pasuk. He won't wait for some other pasuk and then say, yeah, and the same thing over there. Now, if Rashi uh, held that loiza kacheshen is a mitzvah, if somebody pushes the chayshin away from its proper place, that person has transgressed 
Allah is not saying the Torah, he could even be Chayev Malkus. He could be subject to 39 lashes. And if Rashi holds the Yasura Mimenu, where it says that the Bade HaOrin should not be removed from the from the Orin, if Rashi holds that that is say, so why didn't he say it on those two previous Psukim? Why did he wait for this Pasuk? Let's begin to think about how we can answer these questions one by one. The first question is relatively easy. Does Rashi mean that Lo Yikareya is giving us the reason for why the neckline of the of the uh, me'il was doubled, or is he te- or is or does Rashi hold that it is a mitzvah? It is saying Lo Yikareya, it shall not be torn, and if you tear it, you're in trouble. You've done an avera. And the answer is, as some of the commentaries say, is that it's both. Rashi is saying two explanations. He's saying Lo Yikareya. The purpose of this doubling of the neck is so that it shouldn't be torn. But also, if somebody tears it, he has done an avera. I believe I have the Gemara Maset. No, not that. Sorry. I thought I had. No. All right. Let's not worry about it. <laughs> oh, here it is. Yes, the Gemara in Masech the Yuma says as follows. Amar Rachva, Amar Rav Yehuda, Hamekareya Big Day Kahuna, someone who tears any one of the Big Day Kahuna. The, the Gemara learns, derives all of the Big Day Kahuna from this Pusik regarding the Me'il. The Gemara derives that you may not tear them. So the Gemara says, Hamekareya Big Day Kahuna, a person who tears any one of the garments of, of Kahuna, Loika. This person is subject to Malkus. Shenemar, as it says, Lo Yikareya. He, it shall not be ripped. Now, Maskev lo bar Yaakov. attacks with a question. And he says, Maybe this is what Hashem is saying in the Torah. Maybe he's saying, You should make a lip for the neckline of the meal. You should make a double, a doubled over lip. In order that it should not be torn. Maybe that these couple of words, lo yikareya, are only giving us the reason for why you double the lip so that it should not accidentally be torn, but not that if you tear it, you get an avera. So the Gemara answers, meek sev shelo yikareya. Does the Pasuk say shelo yikareya? That it should not be torn? That would indicate that it's giving a reason. Make it in such a, such a way, shelo yikareya, that it should not, meaning in order that it should not be torn. But it doesn't say that. It says lo yikareya. So from this shine uh, halashin, from this uh, slight change of the of the words, the Gemara is deriving that it's both. At least that's how many Mephoshim understand it. Okay, so it's both. Rashi is saying two explanations. That is the easiest of the questions to answer. Now, the second question is, why does Rashi here get involved in this uh, very interesting and broad topic of Minyan Laban Shabbatayra. Why is Rashi telling us that this is one of the uh, 365 negative commandments in the Torah? And the answer here also is not that difficult. We have to say that Rashi wanted to strengthen his point. He just told us that if you tear the lip of the me'il, you are over beloved. You have transgressed 
one of the negative commandments of the Torah. And so he tells us that we, we find that this is one of the Lavin Shabbat that if we look at the lists of the 613 mitzvahs that have been prepared by various uh, great thinkers, various great scholars, we will find that this is one of them. So you see that it's not just a reason for making the, the double neck, but it is actually Eloi Sase. Which of the Minyan mitzvahs was Rashi, Rashi referring to? I can't say for sure. I could tell you that he was not referring to the Rambam's list of mitzvahs because uh, the, the, the Rambam lived after Rashi. And certainly Rashi didn't see his, uh, his Sefer, Sefer HaMitzvahs. Um, perhaps Rashi is referring to the Minyan HaMitzvahs of Rabbi Sadia going. Rashi in Parshish Mishpatim quotes the, uh, the list of mitzvahs of Rabbi Sadia going for a different reason, a different context, which you see that he was aware of that, uh, of that Sefer. And so perhaps he's referring to that count of mitzvahs. But he's mentioning that Loyikareya uh, is counted as one of the loisases, as one of the negative commandments in the Torah, in order to strengthen his point that somebody who tears the me'il, who tears the lip of the me'il, is over belav, he has transgressed one of the negative mitzvahs of the Torah. Now we come to the question that is perhaps a little bit more difficult to answer. Rashi continues and he says, V'chein, and similarly, lo yizach meaning similarly, the Pasuk that says, lo yizach the choshen shall not move from its place, is actually a say. It means you shall not move it, and if you do so, you could get malchus. And v'chein, and similarly, lo yisuru mimenu hanemer Similarly, where it says, the bade ha'oren shall not move from the rings of the Oren, there also, it's a loisa say, if you remove them, you are subject to Malchus. And the question is, well, if that's so, why didn't Rashi say it by those other psukim? Why is he only saying it now? Now, the fact that Rashi let it be when he was commentating on the Pesach, he didn't say anything about whether it's a lav or not. And the fact that he let it be uh, when he was commenting on the Pasuk Lo Yisuru Mimenu, he didn't uh, say specifically that it's a love or not, but he's saying it now. And Rashi does comment on our Pasuk Lo Yikoreya, and Rashi makes it a point to tell us that if you tear the Me'il, you have transgressed Eloisa say in the Torah. So I think if you put all this together, you can conclude that probably Rashi felt that it is really quite simple that lo is a love. And he felt it was quite simple that lo yisurimimeno is a love. He only had a doubt about this Pasuk. It's only this Pasuk of lo yikareya that he wasn't so sure that it's a lo And he felt the need to point it out and to prove it. Why is Rashi a little bit in doubt about this? Well, I mean, the obvious answer is the Gemara itself says that maybe lo yikareya is not a love. Maybe it's not an actual prohibition. Maybe it's just giving you the reason why you should make the neck, the neckline of the me'il doubled over. But I think there's another reason. Besides what the Gemara says, there's a reason in Pshutei Shalmikra. 
if you look at this busik, it says that you make a suffer the fifth, you make a uh, a whip around the neck opening of the of the meal, masse oreg, a an act, a product of weaving. Now Rashi interpreted that to mean masse oreg You make this extra piece of fabric not by making it separately and then attaching it with a needle, attaching it with threads, but rather it's all woven as one garment, but over here you somehow double the weaving. You put in extra threads up there. Not everyone understands those words, Masa Oreg, in this way. Rashbam and Cheskuni both say that the Pshad is like this. The Pasik is telling us that when you weave the Me'il, well, let's backtrack a moment. There are actually two ways that you could make the neck opening of this garment, or really of any garment. You could do it as you weave, meaning you weave and weave and weave, and you make another inch of fabric and another inch and another inch, and then you, I'm not a weaver, I don't know exactly how to do it, but then you kind of weave around and then you continue down the other way and you leave a hole in the middle. When you remove it from the loom, you already have a, a hole in the middle where you could stick your head. You don't have to cut anything out. That's one way of doing it. Another way is you just take a long rectangular bolt of cloth that you have woven. And now you take your scissors, you take those big tailor scissors and you cut out the neck, the neck hole. The Rashbam and Chizkuni understand that the meaning of these words, Masse Oreg, is that you must make the opening for the neck a Masse Oreg. You must do it as an act of weaving, not by cutting it out with scissors. It's talking about the manufacture of the neck hole. According to Rashi, it's also talking about the manufacturer. It's not talking about the manufacture of the neck hole. According to Rashi, it's talking about the manufacture of this extra lip, of this extra piece near the neck hole. But according to Rashbam and Cheskuni, it's talking about how do you make the neck hole? So it's saying, Masse Oreg, you should make it by weaving. In other words, you weave, but you leave a hole in the middle and you weave the other end of the garment and pull it off the, the loom and there it is, it's all ready with the neck hole. Now, according to, according to Rashbam and Chizkuni, at least in Pshutai Shalmikra, perhaps there is no prohibition of tearing a me'il that has already been made. Maybe the whole prohibition of tearing is only in the manufacture, in the way you make it. You have to make it by weaving the, the, the nickel rather than tearing it out, cutting it out with scissors. But perhaps, at least in Chutei Shalmikra, once it's been produced properly, maybe there's no prohibition of tearing the nickel. And these words, lo yukareya, only mean that you should make a double, a double over lip around the nickel in order that it should not be torn. But maybe there's no prohibition at all of, uh, of tearing the meal. Now, Rashi clearly did not understand the Pasuk like that. Rashi understood that Maase Oreg is referring to 
not the neck hole, but it's referring to this reinforced lip that is around it. It's telling you that has to be made in the original weaving process. Now Rashi wants to emphasize this whole end of the Rashi, beginning from the word Roy, all the way down to the end. What is the, the point of the whole Rashi? I think the point of the whole Rashi is to, to make and to and to strengthen this point that Hakoiroi over beloved, that if you tear the meal, you have transgressed Aloisase. So Rashi wants to be Mechazek. He wants to strengthen his point. First, he strengthens his point by saying that it's in the Minyan Halavim, that it is counted as one of the Loisases in the Torah. And secondly, he, he is Mechazek his point. He strengthens his point by saying that you find similar phrases in the Torah, such as Lo and Lo Yisuru which are not merely telling you how to make the Cheshen so that it should not wander from its place. And it's not merely telling you, telling you how to make the, the rings and the badim of the Oren, make them in such a way so that they should not fall out, but rather they are commandments. And he knows that they are commandments because over there, there's no Pasuk that says Maaseh Oreg. I mean, obviously, uh, by the Choshen, we're not talking about how to make the Choshen really. We're talking about the strings and the chains that attach it. Those are not woven uh, materials. And certainly not when we're talking about the Arun HaKodesh, we're not talking about fabrics at all. We're talking about wood and gold. But since it doesn't say by those two Psukim anything similar to this Maaseh Oreg, so there Rashi was sure that it meant, you shall not push the Choshen out of place. And if you do so, it's allowed. And when it says, it means you shall not cause the Badei Ha'orin to leave their proper place inside the rings. And if you do, it's allowed. So Rashi is being Mechazek, his point, in order that we shouldn't make a mistake and think like the Rashbam and others, that there is no, that perhaps there is no prohibition of cutting the me'il, of tearing the me'il once it's finished. Okay, by the way, I think there might be a, a, a little anafkamina, a, a ramification in halacha between Rashi and the Rashbam, at least in Pshuta Shomikra. Really, the Gemara says if you tear them, the me'il or any other one of the big day kahuna, you are over beloved. And uh, the Rashbam, I'm sure, is not uh, doesn't mean to disagree with that in the halachic realm. But in Pshutei Shalmikra, the way he interprets the Pesach, I think there comes out a difference between Rashbam and Rashi. What would be if you did not weave the neck opening, you didn't make it by weaving and leaving a hole over there, but rather you made one solid bolt of cloth and then you took a scissors or some other instrument, and you tore out the neck hole. Now, according to Rashbam, you were, I would say you were a mevatal mitzvah saseh. You have uh, failed to observe one of the positive commandments of the Torah, because according to Rashbam, the Torah said that you have to make the neck opening masa or reg. You have to make it in a way of weaving, and you didn't do that. So first of all, you have failed to observe that commandment. And it could be, according to Rashbam, that that me'il is puzzle. 
It's not acceptable. You didn't make it correctly, so the Kayin Gadol can't wear it. According to Rashi, what would be if you just made one solid bolt of cloth and then you cut out the neck with scissors? According to Rashi, I wouldn't say that you were Mavatal Mitzvah Sasei. It doesn't seem like you're uh, failing to, to, uh, to perform one of the positive commandments of the Torah. The Torah never said that the neck hole must be made in a way of weaving. There's no such pasuk, according to Rashi. And maybe according to Rashi, you'd even be allowed to tear it now. Aye, Rashi holds that there's a mitzvah leisah, say you're not allowed to tear the me'il. Yeah, that's when you have a me'il. But at this point, you don't have a me'il yet. At this point, you just have a bolt of cloth. You're making the me'il. Perhaps according to Rashi, if you tear open the neck hole, meaning in order to form the neck hole, maybe that's permitted. And maybe that me'il would be acceptable to be worn by the Kayan Gol. Okay, those are some technical aspects of this Rashi. Now I come to my favorite kind of question, so what? Why is this so important that the me'il should have a reinforced neckline? And why, at least according to Rashbam, uh, why must that be, um, why must the neck hole be formed by weaving rather than by cutting with a scissor? And why does the Torah say that this should be kafi sachra, this should, this should be like the mouth, like the neck opening of a suit of armor? Why does the Torah use that simile? What is, what is the reason for all of these mitzvahs? So, I think we can explain it according to some comments by Rabbeinu Bechaya. I'm sure that there are other commentators who say, similar to this Rabbeinu Bechaya, we are going to say now, I'm sure there are some who say very differently. I'm gonna use the Rabbeinu Bechaya. First of all, the Rabbeinu Bechaya uh, introduces his remarks by mentioning a Gemara in the Sechtes Vachem, Daf Pei Ches Amit Beis. Yovoi Dover Shebekol V'yichaper Al Masakol. Let this thing, this me'il, which is a dover shebakol, it is something that has a voice, and let it atone for masakol, for actions that are done with the voice. In other words, the Gemara is telling us that the me'il is mechaper on Lashon Hara. The me'il atones for our improper speech that we sometimes utter, our defaming speech that we sometimes say about other people. And the reason that the me'il specifically does this is because the me'il has those ha'amaynim, as we learned. It has those bells, which, according to Rashi, are actual functional bells. They, they ring. So it's a dover shebekol. And so this, this particular beged kahuna, this particular priestly garment, atones for any lashon hara that we, the Klai Yisrael, may have spoken. Now, the Rabbeinu Bechaya says that we can now understand Alderach HaMusar, in a way of Musar, why it says Why does it say that the mouth of this me'il has to be folded back inside? He says It is proper that a person's speech should be the same as what is inside of him. In other words, a person needs to be sincere. 
person should not uh, flatter others unnecessarily. person should not tell a lie. What you know is what you should say. Of course, there's some things you know, maybe it's not right to say. That's something else. But there should be a, a, uh, an equality. There should be a similarity between what you say and what you are and what you know. You need to be sincere. That's called toichai kabarai. Your inside is like your outside. So the lip of this me'il is folded back inside. The same way your lips should be a reflection of what's inside of you and not something fake. And then the Pasuk says, the, op- the neck opening should have a lip. So the Rabbeinu Bechaya here uh, borrows a, a Pasuk from Eoiv. It says, La tzor This is in order to stop the words from flowing out. As I've mentioned before, one of the, one of the reasons why we speak Lashon Hara is simply because we talk too much. You start talking and you're saying this and this and this and that, which may be perfectly uh, acceptable speech, but after a while, you drift off and you start saying other things which are not acceptable. So that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you two lips so that you can shut your mouth. And that's the remez, that's the hint why the me'il, which is mechapar on Lashon Hara, it's mechapar on improper speech, that's why it had a lip to hold back the words. Why did this have to be made? Now, the Rabbeinu Bechaya doesn't specify. Did he, uh, was he of the opinion that Maase Oreg means that you must make this special lip by weaving it on rather than sewing it on? Or did he mean that you have to make the neck, the whole neck hole in a way of weaving uh, the way the Rashbam says? But either way, it has to be Maase Oreg. You have to make it the way a weaver makes it. A weaver doubles the threads. A weaver doesn't usually just weave one thread, another thread. He has threads which are um, wound together. And the whole process of weaving is to take the, the, the threads that are going horizontally. I think that's called the woof. And then you take the other threads that are going the other way vertically, and you you fuse them together so that you have thread on top of thread on top of thread. So that's how this safa uh, fiv. that's how this lip has to be made. It has to be made doubled and redoubled and, and tripled. Your lip has to, you have to have really thick lips in order to hold back all the stupid things that you might otherwise say. And it should be kafi sachra. It should be like a coat of armor, like the mouth on a coat of armor. So uh, the Rebbeinah Bechaya says, that there also, how did they make armor? Uh, this we can see from coats of armor that uh, survive even from the Middle Ages. There were a lot of little rings and one ring overlapped the other ring. So that when the sword hit the, the knight, so most likely he would hit a piece of metal. It wasn't a solid, there are some coats of armor that we see from the Middle Ages that were solid pieces of metal, sheets of metal, but there were also some that are rings, 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 and they're all doubled over each other. So Rabbeinu Bechaya says, that's why the Pasuk says, Kefi Sachra, these are doubled. This, this uh, neckline is doubled over for extra protection. 
there is a safer called Medayek Harashi, a relatively unknown safer. I had the good fortune of discovering it some years ago on the website Hebrew.org. This safer was written by a uh, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Gutfreund in, in Warsaw, in Warsaw, in 1938, a very interesting time to be publishing Svorim in, in Poland, in Warsaw. Uh, it is a super commentary on Rashi, very interesting, very, um, very original, and, and very much according to the Pshat. Here, this Sefer Medayek Rashi goes off a little bit, I think, into the, into the area of Drush. But what he says is very interesting. He questions, as I mentioned before, why does uh, Rashi here says, Hashir Yoinim Shalahem Pihem Kofel. We learn from this Pasek that their armor had a doubled lip around the, around the neck hole. So he questions, why, why would Rashi teach us that? Well, why would the Torah teach us that? Why does the Torah want to tell us what their armor was like? So he interprets these words, Hadrush. He says, Hashir Yoinim Shalahem. What was the defense system of our forefathers? How did they prevent themselves from getting into trouble? Ethically, you know how? Pihem kofol, their mouths were doubled over, their mouths were closed. They kept their mouths closed. That was their, their defense system. That was their iron dome. Today we have the iron dome, kipata barzel, to protect the, the people in Eretz Israel. They had a different uh, kind of armor. They kept their mouths shut. And the Rabbeinu Bechaya, oh, so this is the Rabbeinu Bechaya. Based on all of this, perhaps we can say, this is why the Torah forbids us from tearing the lip of the Me'il. Because of what this lip of the Me'il represents. It represents the idea of being that one's inside should be like one's outside, that one should be sincere in one speech, and it also represents the idea that you shouldn't talk too much. Well, the Torah is saying, don't rip it, don't destroy that 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 uh, that hint. Now, according to Rashi, that particular part of the of the meil must be made masse oreg. It must be made through a process of weaving, so that it should not tear. And according to Rashbam, it goes even farther. That that the, 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 the neck hole of the me'il may not be manufactured in a way of tearing. Now, why should it matter whether I make the neck hole by tearing it out or cutting it out with scissors or just making it that way when I weave it, leaving a hole, not weaving in that particular spot. So perhaps we can say that according to Rashbam, this is an additional chumrah that the that he understands that the Torah is placing here. That not only when you have the me'il, are you not allowed to tear it, because that would be to go against the lessons of the me'il, of being sincere and keeping your mouth shut and only speaking appropriate words. But even in the manufacture, even when you're making it, you must observe this caution and you must observe this awareness of speaking properly, you may not create the neck hole 
of the of the meal by tearing, even in the manufacture. Okay, these are some of the ideas that we can learn from the meal. 